Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. Hi, this is Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and you're listening to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Blake radio station. And it is Tuesday, May 24th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Boy, have we got a show for you tonight. My goodness. So tonight's topic is cholesterol, friend or foe. What's going on here? Is cholesterol the, uh, the villain? Is cholesterol what's going to kill us all? Do we need to lower our cholesterol while there's still time? Or could it be that cholesterol is beneficial? Could it be that cholesterol is an essential nutrient? This is an amazing uh, concept. So let's take a look. Let's just take a look. First, let's take a look at how cholesterol is synthesized. This is how I first uh, came to be aware of cholesterol. I was a pre-medical student at Harvard University and I was taking organic chemistry, which is a course that is required for entry into medical school. This was back in 19 must have been 1977 because I entered in 75 and left in 79. In this course, we were taught the pathway for synthesizing cholesterol. And boy, was it a pathway. Very difficult to memorize. And so, of course, I asked, why are we going through all this trouble to learn how to synthesize cholesterol? And honestly, it took the whole friggin' semester just to teach that one little thing. And so we were told that cholesterol is the essence of life. It is the secret molecule to controlling the whole body. I said, wow, that's exciting. Can't wait to get to medical school and learn more about this. And of course, the rest is history. So let's take a look at 
the uh, synthesis pathway for uh, cholesterol. Now, it starts with something like um, HMG-CoA, which you might not know what that is. And honestly, I'm embarrassed to say it doesn't matter. But what does matter is that as the body works and synthesizes uh, cholesterol, it also, on the way, synthesizes coenzyme Q10. Yes, I know a lot of you thought it was just a supplement you buy in a bottle, but actually your body does synthesize coenzyme Q10 on the way to making cholesterol. It's actually, well, we could just call it a byproduct. And so what good is coenzyme Q10? Well, let's see what the Mayo Clinic says about it. I think it's always good to see what the, uh, the authorities say about these things. So the Mayo Clinic says that Coenzyme Q10 is made naturally in the body, but a deficiency may occur due to, get this, low dietary intake. In other words, the person doesn't eat enough cholesterol, then the body can't synthesize coenzyme Q10 or on the way to making cholesterol. So it's not enough dietary intake or high coenzyme Q10 use by the body. And symptoms of deficiency, so if you don't have enough, you're going to get high blood pressure, chest pain, heart failure. This is going to be the uh, Mayo Clinic. Early evidence suggests that coenzyme Q10 is effective in chronic heart failure. And so low levels of coenzyme Q10 have been associated with chronic heart failure. Remember last week we talked about congestive heart failure? This is a chronic heart failure. It's congestive heart failure that lasts a long time. And so low coenzyme Q10 could be a cause of this. There's good evidence to support the use of coenzyme Q10 in the treatment of high blood pressure. Age-related blindness. We call it macular degeneration, just so you don't quite get the gist of it, but age-related blindness. Uh, if you have enough coenzyme Q10, you don't get that. Aging. Early studies suggest a combination of coenzyme Q10 and other antioxidants and minerals may improve skin roughness and fine wrinkles. Hmm. Alzheimer's disease. Yes, coenzyme Q10, if you don't have enough of it, guess what? You get Alzheimer's disease. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Sounds like a fancy name, but it boils down to basically paralysis and loss of use of your legs and arms. It's a disease affecting brain and spinal cord nerve cells that control muscle movement. So, coenzyme uh, Q10. Also, it helps protect cells from damage in antioxidants. It helps with asthma in combination, of course, with vitamin C and E, but it does reduce the dosage of asthma medicine. It supports, uh, research supports use of coenzyme Q10 in the treatment of breast cancer. 
How about that? In other words, low levels of this uh, coenzyme C10 can cause breast cancer and cancer of the skin and other end-stage cancers, also cataracts. It, it also diminishes chemotherapy side effects if you have a high level of coenzyme Q10. Gets rid of chronic fatigue syndrome. Lessens cocaine dependence. Reverses coronary artery disease. Cystic fibrosis. Dry mouth. Ex- improves exercise performance. Benefits fibromyalgia, gum disease, hearing loss, heart attack, heart disease heart muscle injury, and somehow it lowers high cholesterol. seems to be helpful in AIDS and elevated fats, enhances the immune system, even helps in infant development, and improves kidney failure, male infertility, migraine headaches, mitochondrial disease, mitral valve prolapse, movement disorders, muscle weakness, Nerve pain, Parkinson's disease, Pyronie's disease at the curved penis, so this will straighten the penis out. Preeclampsia, this is a complication of pregnancy. Prostate cancer, psoriasis, ringing in the ears, diabetes. Amazing. These are all things that coenzyme Q10, according to the Mayo Clinic, there's evidence, strong scientific evidence, good evidence and even fair scientific evidence that these are all things, areas in which coenzyme Q10 is helpful. So, what's the big deal here? Well, on the way to making cholesterol, you take uh, a compound, acetyl-CoA, and it becomes cholesterol. We have drugs called statins that interrupt this pathway such that coenzyme Q10 is not produced by the body, not produced by the body at all. Say nothing of of cholesterol not being produced by the body. Now, let's just say your body uh, somehow manages to manufacture some cholesterol. Now, important thing to understand is your body is not capable even if you're in the best of health, is not capable of manufacturing all of the cholesterol it needs. Your body, at best, can manufacture half of the cholesterol it needs. What does this mean? This means that there is actually a dietary need for cholesterol. Your body actually has a need to have cholesterol in the diet. This is absolutely shocking. I mean, considering what doctors have been telling us about uh, lowering our cholesterol. But let's take a look and see what the body does once it gets its hands on some cholesterol. So when your body gets its hands on some cholesterol, what does it do? It takes that cholesterol by golly, and it makes testosterone. Can you believe this? Your body makes testosterone out of the cholesterol. Yep. And so obviously, if you get rid of 
cholesterol, you're going to lower your testosterone. In case there's anyone out there who doesn't know what happens when you have low T or low testosterone, uh, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at what happens when you actually have enough testosterone. So like, what does your body do with testosterone? Well, according to uh, NIH.gov, testosterone is a sex hormone that plays important roles in the body. In men, it is thought to regulate sex drive. That would be libido, desire, or even interest in sex. Bone mass, fat distribution, muscle mass, and strength, and production of red blood cells and sperm. A small amount of circulating testosterone is converted to estradiol, a form of estrogen. So get this. If you successfully lower your testosterone, lower your, your cholesterol, you're actually going to lower your body's ability to make testosterone. You're going to lower, as a man, your sex drive, your bone mass, your muscle mass, your strength, and your sperm production. Is it any wonder why the sperm counts of men are falling? As men are following a low cholesterol diet, are taking medications to lower their cholesterol? Hmm. What else happens if your body gets a hold of some cholesterol? It takes that cholesterol, and in the ovaries, it creates estrogen. Hmm. Estrogen. What does estrogen do? Well, it's a hormone or a group of hormones that play an important role in the normal sexual and reproductive development in women. These are also sex hormones. And it makes the ovaries make the, most of the estrogen hormones. However, adrenal glands and fat cells also make small amounts of the hormones. So estrogen, the only way for your body to make estrogen, the only way is to run cholesterol. That's it. It's like trying to sew a dress with no fabric, no material. You've got to have cholesterol to make estrogen. And what does estrogen do? It regulates the menstrual cycle. It affects the reproductive tract, the urinary tract, heart and blood vessels, bones, breast, skin, hair. Yeah, it makes a woman a woman. Mucous membranes, pelvic muscles, and the brain. And also secondary sexual characteristics begin to grow when estrogen levels rise. It's like pubic hair, armpit hair, and in women, estrogen is also the uh, hormone that gives women their drive and their get up and go. And so as you lower cholesterol levels, as many women are trying to do with things like boneless, skinless, chicken breast, the estrogen levels fall. Women develop, shall we call it, hormone imbalances, develop infertility, and now you're off to the clinic. So what? $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 per cycle in vitro fertilization. Why? Well, because you're not making enough of your own estrogen. Now, what else happens when the body gets cholesterol? What does it do with this cholesterol? Well, it makes progesterone. And what does progesterone do? Well, progesterone is called the pregnancy hormone. It is essential before and during pregnancy. So without progesterone, without enough of it, a woman will not get pregnant. And without enough of it, or the ability to make 
a higher level of it, the woman will not be able to maintain that pregnancy. That pregnancy will end. And so it's a natural female hormone, essential before and during pregnancy. And, of course, the website uh, resolve.org is a pro-doctor website. And what does it say? Progesterone supplementation is often necessary during assisted reproductive technology, such as in vitro fertilization, because the medications you may use during these procedures can suppress your body's ability to produce progesterone. Certain procedures can even inadvertently remove progesterone-producing cells from your ovaries. Sometimes there are other reasons to use progesterone supplementation, such as little or no progesterone production from the ovaries. How do you think that could happen? Could it be if the ovaries don't have enough cholesterol, which is the only source of material for making progesterone, can't get it any other way, then your body can't make progesterone. So this is this is the doctors themselves. The bottom line is this. All women who wish to become pregnant need progesterone to help the uterus prepare for and maintain a fertilized egg. Well, that means that all women who want to become pregnant need cholesterol to help the uterus prepare for and maintain a fertilized egg. Interesting. Interesting. So what else does your body do with cholesterol? Well, it makes something called cortisol. What's cortisol? Get this. Turn up your radios for this one. Turn up the volume. Cortisol is a life-sustaining, I'll repeat that, is a life-sustaining adrenal hormone essential to the maintenance of homeostasis. So cortisol allows your body to maintain many changes that occur in the body to stress, like blood sugar glucose levels, uh, energy levels. This is what cortisol does. Without cortisol, your body cannot sustain life. And where does cortisol come from? Mm. Cholesterol. There is no other source. There is no other source. Your body takes cholesterol, whether it makes its own cholesterol or gets it from outside, and it uses that to synthesize its cortisol. So without this, your body cannot, it cannot maintain homeostasis. In other words, as they say, it ain't happening. And so what we've got here then is we've got exactly what I was taught in in undergrad, a pivotal molecule, pivotal for good health. And this has been vilified. And millions of Americans have been duped into contributing to their impotence, to their infertility, to their lack of energy. Well, of course, let's take a look at these medications that are used Oh, excuse me, more things. What else happens? So when your body gets a hold of cholesterol, it makes cholesterol, it makes bile salts. And what do bile salts do? Now, this is an abstract from the uh, National Library of Medicine, NIH.gov, National Institute of Health. And what do they say? Bile salts are bile surfactants. That means they disperse oils and fats. In the intestinal tract, that means your small and large intestine, they play a crucial role in the digestion and absorption of nutrients. 
The importance of bile salts for controlled release and transport of lipid-soluble nutrients, uh, that would be vitamins A, D, E, and K. So in other words, if you don't have these bile salts, you cannot transport these nutrients, vitamin A, D, E, and K. You can't use them. It's recently stimulated scientific interest in these physiological compounds. Bile salts are also so-called facial emesthetes, showing a molecular structure very distinct from classical surfactants. This peculiar molecular structure facilitates the formation of dynamic aggregates able to solubilize and transport lipid-soluble compounds. So get this. This means bile salts can disperse, go find a toxin, surround it, and remove it from the body, push it down the intestinal tract. And then once it got that, has that toxin moving on its way, the bile salts can disaggregate and then go get another toxin around which they aggregate and then push it down the line. And get this, bile salts can then find a nutrient, let's call it vitamin A, aggregate around it, grab it, and decide to absorb it and take it back into the body. This is called the enterohepatic circulation. Big words, just to make people like you feel inadequate. But it just means that the cholesterol made in the liver can be released into the intestinal tract and go out there, find essential needed nutrients, and then get reabsorbed back into the blood and into the liver. And you can literally, these bile salts, we'll just say they have some intelligence, that they can literally go out there, grab nutrients, and take them into the body, and somehow they can figure out to grab toxins and move them out of the body as these bile salts flow through the bile ducts. They actually grab toxins and take them right out into the intestines, release them there, and then grab nutrients and pull those nutrients into the body. <laughs> Way cool. But guess what? can't make bile salts if you don't have cholesterol. That's it. The only source of bile salts, that's how your body does it. It uses cholesterol. Okay. So this um, discussion says the detergent nature of bile salts has been studied in literature, mostly concentrating on self-assembly behavior of the bile salts. In other words, they, get, they clump together. Now, if you're dehydrated, what happens? You get bile stones. These cholesterol compounds get together and form stones if you don't drink enough water. But if you are hydrated, uh, they function just as I discussed. Also, vitality capsules assist with this process by increasing the flow of these bile salts through the liver so they can suck up more toxins and remove them into the intestines. And once the bile salts get into the intestines, what can they do? They can grab your vitamin A, D, E, and K, bring it into your body, and make you stronger. Without these bile salts, you don't absorb those nutrients. And this is why many of your digestive enzymes contain a supplement, supplement of ox bile. Yeah, they have a nerve to put you on a low cholesterol diet and then sell you ox bile filled with cholesterol made by an ox. Yeah. I would say go figure, but obviously it's a pretty profitable uh, situation here, right? You pay for the cholesterol drugs to lower your cholesterol, then you go and buy ox bile salts, which, of course, you would have created your own self, and your digestion would have been just fine, thank you. 
And so this is against the medical industrial complex speaking. A better understanding of the surface activity of bile salt would allow manipulation of physiochemical properties to modulate lipid digestion, improve bioavailability of lipid-soluble nutrients, and reduce absorption of saturated fats, cholesterol, and trans fats. Whoa, 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 back up. But if you're not going to absorb the cholesterol, then you're never going to make any bile salts for you to manipulate. And this is a kind of uh, double-speak mind mush that um, people and doctors are being subjected to. So we have an abstract article saying, hey, bile salts are great, but the cholesterol that you need for your body to make bile salts is bad. And so what does that mean? It means you don't need the cholesterol. we got to sell you the bile salts, of course. But bile salts are something your body makes if it has the cholesterol. What else does your body make if it has cholesterol? This is a shocker. This is a shocker. In order for your body to make vitamin D in response to sunlight, it needs cholesterol. That's right. That is right. Cholesterol. And what, pray tell, does vitamin D do? Vitamin D lowers blood pressure, reduces your risk of diabetes, lowers your chances of heart attacks, rheumatoid arthritis, and muscle sclerosis. Vitamin D should be at the front of the line in your daily supplement regimen. But if you have a low cholesterol diet, if you're taking a cholesterol-lowering medication, then you don't have the ability to respond to sunlight by making vitamin D. Why? Because it's... Uh, has a cholesterol backbone. And you have to have that um, cholesterol precursor in order for your body to make vitamin D. Yes, three. And so we've talked before about this, that the medical industrial complex itself uh, says that vitamin D reduces risk of cancer, many cancers. And uh, it's a 40% reduction in risk of developing uh, precancerous colon polyps. And it's amazing. Now, of course, what they're re- recommending, again, this is the medical industrial complex, is this is WebMD, is that you purchase supplements. But why not just have some cholesterol? Have some cholesterol. So we know now what cholesterol does. So this is more or less what cholesterol does in the body. It's responsible for fertility, it's responsible for energy, it's responsible for uh, your immune system's ability to even create homeostasis. And so, of course, your doctor is trained to give you drugs to lower your cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Lower your cholesterol. Mystery Bob. What kind of drugs? Well, let's talk about statins. Statin drugs actually are uh, really dangerous because the statin drugs interrupt the production of cholesterol very early on in the process and lower your coenzyme Q10 and lowers all of the other um, 
bioactive, necessary, and important compounds your body manufactures from cholesterol. So removing cholesterol from the body is literally like removing oxygen from the air. And so what are some stats, some these drugs? Lovastatin, Rosuvastatin, Fluvastatin, Atorvastatin, Pativastatin, Pravastatin, Simvastatin. In other words, those the patterns, they end in the word statin. And these drugs all lower your cholesterol. What are some side effects? Constipation, nausea, diarrhea, stomach pain, cramps, muscle soreness, pain, weakness. Just basically general malaise, like friggin' sickness. So these stop the body from even making cholesterol. Then you have bile acid binding resins. These trap the cholesterol when it goes into the intestines. So the bile salts, are, which are made of cholesterol, are released into the intestines with the toxins and poisons that they're carrying out of the body. And so what the bile acid binding resins do is they bind this bile acid. So now it can bring the toxins out, but guess what? It can't bring the nutrients back in. So you stop the second leg of that process. And when this cholesterol leaves the body, so now you're not absorbing A, D, E, and K, some very important vitamins. Even if they're in your diet, you're not getting them. But just as bad, this cholesterol is leaving the body, and so now you're not able to make the testosterone, aldosterone, progesterone, or estrogen that your body needs just for routine day-to-day function. Then we have, uh, okay, so these resins sit in the intestines and bind the cholesterol. Then we have, uh, and these are um, cholesterol, cholestyramine, and and well-call. So then we have have cholesterol absorption inhibitors. So as I mentioned before, the cholesterol goes out, carrying the toxins out. This is your basic bile flow flowing out with the toxins, releasing them into the intestines, and then it snatches up your fat-soluble nutrients and attempts to re-enter the body. And so the cholesterol absorption inhibitor stops this process. So it cannot re-enter the body. And then it goes on down the the, um, intestinal tract and out, of course, into the toilet. And then, of course, you can combine these. How nice. And they have a few, uh, again, these are all prescriptions, omega-3 fatty acids. And this is Lavaza, uh, Vescapa. And these are all uh, omega-3 fatty acids that are bought in a pill. Of course, the side effects are belching, fishy taste, and indigestion. But of course, you could just simply eat more cholesterol on your diet. And so... This is where we're at. This is where we are. So we have a whole cadre of drugs that doctors are trained to give to people to <laughs> to lower their cholesterol. And doctors are now uh, evaluated according to um, whether or not the cholesterol actually is lowered. And if doctors are not 
putting enough patients on cholesterol-lowering medications, of course they are disciplined, either with payment penalties or licensure penalties. And, of course, the question comes then, what is the documented benefit of taking these drugs? And what are doctors basing all this activity on? Well, if you open up the package insert of uh, a statin, you will find that they're basing it on the finding that one in 1,250 people who take statins every year will, and so over a two-year period, will benefit. And benefit meaning um, that a deadly heart attack, not a non-deadly heart attack, but deadly heart attack will be averted or prevented. That's one in 1,250. So 1,250 people take this drug for a full year and one, one monthly person, is going to benefit. This is a pretty small, uh, minuscule so-called benefit. And we know, again, this is a number from the industry itself, that 30% of people who take statins every year will experience side effects. So if you've committed yourself to taking a statin every year for the rest of your life, then you have pretty much a 100% chance of being adversely affected by these statins themselves. Yes. So we figured out what cholesterol does in the body. We figured out the effect of lowering cholesterol. The next question is, where, where, pray tell, does one get cholesterol in your diet? Well, since we know the body can only make 50% of the cholesterol needs, then the body must need to eat. Question, of course, would be how much cholesterol. That's a good question. The next question is, do you need to eat cholesterol every day? Fortunately, I've been working on this problem for this, so I actually have some answers. Turns out that there's only one source of cholesterol in animal products. You absolutely cannot get cholesterol from plants. You cannot get cholesterol from plants. There is no source of cholesterol. Let that sink in a bit. And this is an important thing to understand. So plants have sterols, but they are not steroids, and they are not cholesterol. So the only source of cholesterol is animal products. That's it. No other source. No other source. That's it. So what does this mean for vegetarians? Does this mean a vegetarian diet is uniformly dangerous and no one should ever eat a vegetarian diet? Absolutely not. Well, Dr. Daniels, isn't there a contradiction about this? Turns out that cholesterol is a fat. Turns your bowel in a lot of different places. And literally, depending on your history of meat, we go uh, for decades on a vegetarian diet without cholesterol. Right? So, vegan diet without cholesterol. Those can actually sustain themselves for you. Can they sustain themselves for a lifetime? No. It's not, not possible. 
And that's why many famous vegetarian vegans over the years have turned to eating meat, quietly, of course. But now we have the Internet. So many of them are actually speaking up and saying, hey, I was a you know, vegan proponent for 10 years, and I found myself getting weak and tired, and my hair falling out, and all kinds of things happening. And so I started eating meat, and boom, I'm uh, back to um, back to back to good health. And personally, that was my experience. I was a vegetarian from 1986 and 2000. Uh, and the first five years. I felt awesome. I mean, it was like being super, super woman. I had just tremendous energy I'd never had before. All my science problems went away. My mind cleared up. It was awesome. I have discovered something. It was just great. Well, what happened? I grew up in an American home where meat was served three times a day. And my parents felt that as responsible, caring parents, if they did not serve their kids meat at every meal, by golly, then they were inadequate parents. Well, we had to say to make sure we had enough meat. But as a result of this, I built up a fair amount of cholesterol. And also being an African-American family, good at type diet. So you're talking about slims, pigs, feet, uh, baked uh, pig skin, and their high cholesterol animal parts. And so by the time I was 10 years old, I had pretty much had enough. I did not eat pink. And so of course, I uh, went to my father being a obedient child. To my dad, um, I, I don't want to eat meat anymore. And he said, well, why? I really couldn't, I mean, I should have told the truth, which is, oh, but I thought this great, this TV show, and someone mentioned something about animals and animal suffering. I said, I said, well, Dad, I don't want the animals to suffer. He laughed. He thought that was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard. <laughs> and he said, well, you die. So I reluctantly thought meat that I could eat. And uh, say that I ate meat. So I would eat uh, the smallest chicken leg I could find, which back in the old days, in the uh, 60s and 70s, before they really got the hormone, chicken pretty small. So I quietly plotted my escape, and I decided that one day, one day, when I grow up, when I'm going to grow up, and I get to make the rules, I'm done. And um, I got my chance in Google. I had no money anyway. I was eating every other day. I certainly couldn't afford meat. And so I said, this is it. I'm ready. I'm going to do it. And that was our one day, three days. And they said, do not, under any circumstances, allow your, parent, your patients to follow a vegetarian diet. And they talked about how it was just a deadly thing. Okay, forget it. 
stay pregnant and uh, just started absolutely awful. Had a terrible attack of God. Couldn't even sit up to my feet at work. It wasn't. And I was on the floor under my desk because I was in such pain. And I said, you know what? Since I'm obviously going to be dying in my and much to my shock and surprise, I made a, a spectacular uh, 100% recovery and had a great, um, easy pregnancy. Now, the important thing to understand, as they say, there's the middle way here. But cholesterol is absolute life. And so this is why you have babies, and when they have a baby, you take the baby and put them on, uh, you know, Use green drinks. <laughs> you give them breast milk, which has high cholesterol content. It helps the baby grow and develop. So, is the cholesterol? Where is the cholesterol? Uh, no, the cholesterol is not in the gelatin. It's absolutely not in the gelatin. Uh, the protein supplement basically 100% protein. So the cholesterol is in basically the animal skin. So the animal skin and what's called structural fat. So in in your body, we talked about all of the hormone and biochemical roles that cholesterol plays. It also plays a very important structural part of every single cell membrane in your body. Uh, cholesterol is also the structural fat. This is the fat um, that supports and pads um, your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, and structurally holds your body together. So this is your, your structural fat. And so if you look at, say, a teenager and you look at their skin, you see that their, their skin is not wrinkled. And you'll see that their skin um, has a sense of fullness to it. That's because of the cholesterol fat layer under the skin. And so when people go on a vegan diet, this is why their skin starts looking um, loose and saggy. It's basically because of the lack of cholesterol. So the cholesterol then is an absolute requirement. And so when you have um, people deciding at whatever age, usually the younger the better, that they're going to be healthy and go, go on a low cholesterol, no cholesterol diet, that they're going to eat boneless, skinless meat. So if you eat boneless, skinless meat, what does that mean? It means that you're not getting the structural fat. You're not getting the, the cholesterol in the skin. And you're, so you're depriving yourself of your testosterone, your progesterone. And this feeds, fuels, and causes what we see today is an extreme fertility um, epidemic. Now, there are other causes to it as well. So what you want to do is if you are a meat eater, stop eating boneless, skinless meat. You know, eat, eat the skins and definitely suck the bones. That, that connective tissue that's right next to the bone, holding the meat to the bone, that's important stuff. So you want uh, the cholesterol. And if you're bold enough to eat bone marrow, I'd go for that too. But you need that structural fat. Your body does not have the capacity to make 
enough cholesterol. No matter how much coconut oil, olive oil, or whatever it is you want to eat, uh, your body does not have the ability to manufacture all of the cholesterol it needs in order for your body to function uh, properly. So that's one source of cholesterol. Another source of cholesterol, uh, my favorite source, is liver. Yes, a lot of cholesterol in liver. Where would I recommend you not get your cholesterol from? Uh, filet. This is a bad piece of meat. So filet, even though it's very tender, uh, very lean, it's not a problem, uh, it has so much protein in it and so little fat that it puts a big stress on the kidneys and on the digestive process. So I tell people, don't eat that piece. Don't eat the filet. Not the pork filet, not the beef filet. Don't do it. Let someone else eat the filet. And this is why, by the way, when you order filet mignon at the better restaurants, the filet mignon piece of meat is actually wrapped in bacon. And it's wrapped in bacon because that cut of meat is actually deficient in fat, deficient in cholesterol. And you actually need the additional fat to balance the meal so that you can actually eat it. So uh, how to handle this? Obviously, make no effort whatever to lower your cholesterol. Don't take any drug to lower your cholesterol. That's obvious. Uh, but the next step, though, is how do you boost your fertility? How do you boost your energy? How do you boost your brain function without getting uh, the problems, the many problems associated with eating, we'll just say, meat? The answer, of course, is you can eat meat sporadically. You can eat meat uh, once a week. I found that long-term, that's actually a very good amount of meat to eat. The next thing that you can do is you can um, eat as much meat as you want, uh, whatever seems comfortable for you for a period of time, let's say uh, one, uh, three weeks, and then maybe one week out the month, don't eat any meat. And what will happen is your body will balance itself out. And this way... Um, you can get the cholesterol that you need um, to have all these body functions take place, to have um, a healthy testosterone level, a healthy estrogen level, um, healthy cortisol level, to be able to respond to stress, and at the same time, not have the ill effects of meat. Okay, so we have got tons of questions in the chat room. Let's take a look over at the uh, radio room and see if we can find if there are any questions here. All right, we've got a couple of questions here. Let's take one question. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question, please. Yes. Yep. You're on the okay. air. Did you have a question? Yes, I have a question. Mm-hmm. The question is, I mean, I've, you know, I've always have been told that it's not good to eat meat. It's not good to eat fish, chicken, beef, pork, ham, mm-hmm. which you know is high in cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying that it's okay to have meat every single week or, or, or like twice a month. It's okay now. You're saying. Absolutely. Um, it turns out, especially for men, uh, there's this whole big low T craze, which is men's cholesterol is very, very low. Why is it so low? 
the cholesterol is so low because the men are not eating any dietary source of cholesterol. And so what happens yeah. is the medical industrial complex tells you to lower your cholesterol and then sells you testosterone supplements, which the only okay. reason you need them is because you took their advice in the first place and lowered your cholesterol. Okay. So now if you're a vegan, if you only eat vegetables and grains, is mm-hmm. that okay or you have to have fish in your diet? Um, it, um, fish is not a very good cholesterol source. Oh, okay. So I would not, if, you're, if cholesterol is what you're after, I wouldn't bother with fish. I think it's a waste of time. Um, personally, okay. I was vegan for, for you know, 27 years or so, and I had a, a, a pretty complete crash. You know, couldn't get out of bed, totally exhausted. And wow. um, fish just didn't really pull me together. So I would say mm-hmm. if, you're, if you are vegan and if you enjoy being vegan, what I would recommend is a piece of liver maybe twice, uh, twice a month or so. <laughs> but the liver, you know, they say the liver is the worst meat to eat because the liver has all the toxins and all the chemicals and the processes. Exactly. Right? So you can't eat the liver of a, an adult animal. Right. So if you eat the liver so, of an adult animal, you're right, you're poisoning yourself. That's why you have to right. eat calf liver. So the, the younger the animal, the better. I would recommend nine months or less. Mm-hmm. But now if you, um, if you do like, um, I mean, um, eggs, is that okay? Um, but to have, have eggs, like two eggs a day. Uh, you know, I again, I can just tell you my personal experience. Eggs just aren't strong enough. Um, for me to get someone to turn around and recover on eggs, they've got to eat like eight eggs a day. It's a lot of eggs. Yeah. Wow. 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 Well, it's just kind of hard. I've been a vegan for like for 20 years, and I can't have the thought of you know of chicken or beef. No, no, I would say if you're feeling excellent, if you're not having any fatigue or anything, you're not having any kind of sex or erection problems, and you feel your motivation and energy is very high, then don't worry about it. But but should you experience any of those symptoms, the answer is a piece of liver. Right. But the only problem I do have right now uh, is the wheat. I can't do grains because grains just mess me up. No, 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 that's not a problem. The problem is a symptom that you have of an activity you want to engage in that you can't do for lack of energy or whatever. That's a problem. Oh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, then then good. stick with your diet. Stick with the diet that, okay. um, yeah, stick with the diet that you have. There's no reason to change if, if you're feeling fine. Okay, we have another question here. Hi, you're, you're on the air? Is it me, Doc? Yep, it's you. This is Dan in Texas. Hi, Dan. Uh, can you uh, address the issue of the myth that all these people we know are told by their doctors, the difference between good cholesterol and bad cholesterol? Um, yeah, I think cholesterol, and once you look at the uh, information, it's a lot like sex. I mean, cholesterol does lead to progesterone and testosterone. Um, any cholesterol is good cholesterol. So I think this whole good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol is a misinterpretation. In other words, there may be certain types of cholesterol that suggest you have inflammation, that suggest you have parasites, that suggest your body's trying to deal with toxins. The way to handle that is to get rid of the toxins, get rid of the parasites, not to lower the cholesterol, because the cholesterol is the solution, not the problem. Another question? Hi, you're on the air. Hello, Dr. Daniels. Hi, how are you? 
Hey, good. Um, what would you do with someone, um, a, a teenager, she has problems with di- bad digestion, um, uh, when she eats, having um, had the flu, ever since had the flu, uh, when eats, uh, always has um, her stomach hurting, a lot of you can hear noise in her stomach, maybe there's parasites or she has a virus, what would you do to kill, you know, bad bacteria or whatever she has in the stomach area? Well, with a um, teenager, I would be a little gentle because teenagers have a system that's inclined to correct itself. So you don't want to um, do something harsh that might, you know, throw them off. So what would I do for a teenager? I would just give her uh, one or two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar before each meal to help with her digestion. And then if you can talk her into some uh, turpentine once you've got her bowels going, um, I would do that. And I think that would be uh, a very big help for her. Oh, I just want to remind people. Uh, so, topic of this of this uh, radio show, of course, is that people are being misled by the medical industrial complex to participate in their own um, destruction and their own lack of health. So, if you're sick of that and you'd like to be educated to be the healer in your own home and set therapeutic goals that are actually healthy, then move on over to vitalitycapsules.com forward slash healers. I'm starting another Healers in Panama program where I'll be training people to be the 911 in their home. They can be 911 and they don't have to call 911. So go to uh, vitalitycapsules.com forward slash healers and check it out for more information. Well, let's see here. We have three minutes left. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Dr. Daniels, can you safely go without cholesterol for a period of time? The answer is yes, absolutely. In fact, it's really a good idea. Um, the other thing about meat is if you make sure you do not get your meat from the grocery store, just don't do it. Uh, don't do it. You know, look for um, wild-caught game or become a hunter and shoot your own. Okay. Uh, gelatin. All right, we got that. <laughs> All right, Dr. This person says, I've eaten tons and tons of meat. If it's anything my body could use, it's a short vacation for me. So absolutely. Um, cholesterol is stored and it's stored over a period of several years. The problem occurs when you take drugs to lower your cholesterol and shut down your um, cholesterol production. Okay. Back again, should you supplement with fatty meat? Absolutely. Lean meat free of fat is part of the problem. Dr. Daniels, are doctors unaware of all the harm that they're doing? Do they have any clue? Um, Most doctors are not aware of the harm that they're doing. I don't believe. Um, I mean, many of them do feel that the cholesterol drugs don't appear to be especially helpful, but they feel research has been done and this is the standard of care, and so, of course, uh, they do it. Does taking oral CoQ10 heal or prevent these diseases? The answer is not all of these diseases. So CoQ10 is a byproduct of cholesterol production. You can't make cholesterol from CoQ10. So you still have all the problems with low testosterone, low estrogen, low aldosterone, low cortisol, low bile acids. 
So the CoQ10 is just a byproduct kicked off early in the cycle that happens to heal uh, the heart and help with many bodily functions. And so because the statins stop the cholesterol production pathway very early on, it cuts off CoQ10 and cuts off all the other um, beneficial ones that we talked about. Well, we are just about out of time. And as always, think happens. And don't let medical care happen to you. And so we'll see you back again Sunday and again next week.